Time once again for our wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Jack, good morning to you. Good morning, Denny. How are you this fine day? Well, I'm trying to decide whether I want to put on my parka, my raincoat, or my shorts. I'm not sure exactly what to do. (laughs) We are (laughs) multi-seasonal. Yes, we are. Theater of seasons, right? Uh, What what can we talk about today? In fact, today I thought I'd hit on a hot button. Why bother learning? What what can we talk about today? In fact, today I thought I'd hit on a hot button. Why bother learning about wine? You know, do you want to be a wine snob? No, but it is very, very helpful, I think, to know a little bit about if wine is a beverage that you enjoy. And, you know, wine is a social beverage. It's usually drunk in the company of others. And so a little bit of knowledge goes a long way. And you don't want to have too much knowledge because, believe me, nobody enjoys a wine snob that goes on and on about the wine, etc. You know, one good friend of mine who is probably the most knowledgeable person I know about wine, you say, if you like it, go ahead and drink it. And, and that's true. You don't have to wax on in, in determinately about the quality of the wine. Just enjoy it. And, and you can, knowing a little bit helps that enjoyment, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I remember once many, many years ago, uh, a woman came around the United States and she had, was touting her book, Hand Me That Corkscrew Bacchus. And I don't think it ever became a bestseller or anything else. But it was an interesting book. And the concept was basically the only way to learn about wine is to get a corkscrew and pull the corks and taste it. And that, and frankly, that's not a bad way to learn about wine. I've been pulling those corks for over 50 years, and I learned a little bit about wine in the process of doing it. But one of the nice things about knowing a little bit about wine, it gives you confidence when you go into a store and you go down the wine aisle and you feel overwhelmed almost. Uh, what do you buy because of something you read, the label catches your eye, etc.? When you can walk down an aisle confidently and know what you want and what you like or discuss with your wine merchant, and a good wine merchant is like having your own encyclopedia at hand, particularly one that you, who knows what you like, your, your taste buds. That, that becomes very, very important. And learning about wine is very, very simple. There's basically five things you do when you taste wine. And whether they give a wine 100 points or 20 points or 10 points or however they uh, grade wines, these are the five things they grade you. And the first is color. And indeed, if the wine has no uh, cloudiness in it and it's clear, the color is fine. And, <laughs> of course, you want to check the varietal, too. Obviously, you don't want to have a... Cabernet Sauvignon that's the color of a uh, a rosé wine, but the color is only important, the clarity, really. The second thing is the nose, and you swirl the glass around, and that's why you never fill a glass all the way up. Swirl that wine around, put your nose in there, and does it smell like wine? Yeah, okay, fine. Then we've got color and nose. The next is bouquet. Now, this becomes a little more sophisticated. What kind of wine is it? Is it a Zinfandel? Is it a Merlot? Is it Cabernet? Etc. So that that becomes 
when you get more knowledgeable, that'll become easier to do. That uh, then we do the taste. When you taste that in your mouth, what does it feel like? What what are you determining about it? And then the last thing is the aftertaste. What kind of a sensation does it leave in your mouth? Is it pleasant? Uh, is it mouth filling? Is there good depth to it, etc.? So again, those are the five things: color, nose, bouquet or aroma, taste, and aftertaste. And if those five things, when you rate them, and, and they do rate them, you know, depending on what, where you want to put numbers, uh, that's how they taste and evaluate wine. Now you'll notice that two fifths of that uh, aroma and bouquet, or aroma and nose, whichever you want to call them. Are, have to do with the olfactory senses. And the olfactory senses, I'm, I'm told read once, where your nose can determine over 50,000 different sensations or smells. And however, your mouth you know, only does four, sweet, sour, salt, and bitter. And that's why a lot of older people, uh, everything tastes salty or everything tastes bitter. It's because they've lost a lot of the olfactory senses in their nose, and they're just tasting everything with their mouth. Uh, then, then there's the style of wine. And according to most wags today, there's nine styles, and that's sparkling, light-bodied white, full-bodied white, sweet white, rosé, then the same thing, light-bodied red, full-bodied red, and sweet reds. And that's nice. But I say make it simple for yourself. There's really only three types of wine, sparkling wine, table wine, and dessert wine. Sparkling wines, we all know whether you're buying an inexpensive cava from Spain or a sparkling wine from Napa Valley, or you're getting something really good uh, like a, uh, a champagne from France or a delightful little Prosecco from Italy. Those are different sparkling wines. Then we talk about table wine. Now, table wine is just wine that you have with food at table. Uh, so that's almost all the wine in the world other than the sparkling and the fortified falls in that category of table wine. And then we have fortified wines. And these are wines where uh, liquor is added, thus the name fortified. Usually it's brandy or al straight alcohol to stop the fermentation and ensure the wine is made like you like it. And that, for example, uh, ports, sherries, Madeiras, Marsala, all of those are different fortified wines. So the vast majority of wine in the world is basically table wine. So you need to really know a little bit or have a, certainly an awareness of the varietals that are so popular and like I said, I don't want to have to get into too much stuff, uh, but, you know, it is a good idea to have tasted a Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and a Pinot Gris for, in the whites, for sure. In the reds, a Pinot Noir, a Cabernet, a Zinfandel, and maybe a Merlot to give you some benchmark, or, or even a Syrah in the reds, so you, you have a benchmark on how to judge those other wines. And it doesn't have to be an exercise in snobbery to taste wine. It, just every time you taste wine for the first time, swirl it around a little, 
you know, uh, you don't want to do that every time you sip it, or you won't be invited to polite company anywhere, sloshing your wine around all the time. But <clears throat> when you do that, you're causing yourself to concentrate. You know, it's very interesting to me that growing up, I always thought most women had better palates than men. Actually, palates are about the same. The woman of the house in those days did most of the cooking and was always correcting seasonings, whether she was uh, making a stew or just even cooking chicken, you'd correct the seasonings as you're making it and thus using your palate. And men didn't do that too terribly often. I mean, men cooking is a relatively new innovation. I remember many years ago joining a men's cooking group here in the Twin Cities, and everybody said, guys cook? Yes, indeed they did. And uh, they used to like to say, well, all the great chefs are men. Well, that, you can't say that anymore because there's an awful lot of great female chefs throughout the world and throughout even our own Twin Cities here. But what that causes you to do when you're for tasting that stuff is really improve your overall taste buds. So, you know, whether you're tasting uh, a homemade fruitcake or you're tasting a wine, you're forced to use that taste bud because you're, you're practicing with it. And it'll improve the flavor of almost everything you have. Just If you don't believe me, next time you have a, a walnut or an almond, Chew it up and just taste it for a minute. Leave it sit in your mouth and really taste that. Then the next time when you have something, you can say, well, there's almonds in there. It, it's really an empowering thing to be able to use your taste buds. Now, another thing, today, of course, with the Internet, uh, the world of knowledge that's out there on wine is so simple to access, access online. It's just amazing. But one of the books is, of course, that Wine for Dummies is a real handy, basic ABC book on wine. And uh, well done, I think, uh, if you want a, a referral book. Another one, a book that's kind of important if you want to learn a little bit about wine is uh, Charles uh, Johnson's Atlas. And, uh, and Atlas, of course, is a book of maps. And that's important because, believe it or not, Chianti is a place. There's a place called Chianti. There's a place called Chablis. There's an area in France called Burgundy and a town called Pomard. So that's all geography. We know it a little better with, for example, Napa Valley, uh, Oakland Ridge, uh, Russian River Valley uh, are all places in California and put their name because of the high quality of the wine from that area on the bottle of wine. So again, that doesn't mean you have to get too heavily involved in that, but everybody knows about Maine lobster and Long Island duck, etc. That all you're doing with wines is putting a name with it. As a matter of fact, the basis of all wine names in the world are either they're named after the varietal, Chardonnay, Cabernet, etc., or they're named of geography, uh, Chianti, Chablis, <laughs> or they have fantasy names like leaf raw milk, which translates virgin mother's milk, or any of those fantasy names that are given to, to wine uh, throughout the world. But they, So learning a little bit about geography and having a map book certainly helps a lot. 
And that's really continuing your education online. If you buy yourself a little notebook and every time you taste a new wine, jot a, a, a sentence or two about the wine, what you felt about it. And remember, no one looks at this book but you. If you think this wine smells like rubber boots left on a radiator, write that down. No one else is going to read it. No one's going to make fun of you because of what you wrote down. And as I said, as you do that, by the time you've got 15 or 20 pages filled up with 15 or 20 different wine, believe me, you'll know a lot about wine and probably know more than most people uh, think they know about it. It's it's not very difficult. And knowing a little bit about wine makes you more assured when you're in a restaurant and you're going to order wine. You know basically what you like. And it, it's really... Uh, beneficial from a profit and loss statement because when you taste a wine that you kind of like, now you know this wine's pretty good. I'll look for some bargains in that kind of wine. And and it generally works pretty well. Uh, if you like, for example, a uh, little Cote de Rhone from France and you, you try them in restaurants and you find one you like, well, you know, that's that's a big, big plus. So learning about wine enhances your living. I think I always tell people that come to work for me uh, that whatever you end up doing in life, if you don't stay uh, as a wine merchant in a liquor store forever, at least that knowledge you will have learned about wine will serve you well for the rest of your life because you're always going to be eating and drinking. And if you know a little bit more about it, it makes that just more enjoyable and it makes it uh, more fun. And as I said, I wish I could remember the woman's name. Uh, hand me that corkscrew Bacchus. Pull the corks on them, taste some wine, make a note or two. Remember, it's not you're not going to be graded on this. It's not like taking a test or anything. It's uh, only going to enhance your whole life, learning just a little bit about wine. Like you say, Jack, it's a lot of fun, too. So uh, check, oh, check that out. Yeah. You know, after you uh, know you like a kind of wine and you make a discovery, it's neat. Yeah, and you know what else is neat and fun is going to any one of the Haskell's locations. And today is a super fun day at all of the Haskell's locations. The sale within the sale today is all rosés are an additional 20% off. The rosés that aren't on sale, make your own sale. They're all 20% off. And then this afternoon, if you remember, we started this show this morning we talked about the weather four weeks ago the opening of our spring sale the snow was so bad and awful uh, that very few people went out so we're having our grand tasting today from one to four at the end of the sale so stop in the haskells and try taste your favorite and then buy it of course if you enjoy it there's a haskells near you where you can buy great wines at great prices there's Haskell's at Bloomington, Excelsior. There's Haskell's down in Faribault, right off at 35. Our Maple Grove Super Cellar, 22,000 square feet of wines. And downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's the Haskell's at Minnetonka, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, Woodbury. Downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's the Haskell's at Minnetonka, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, Woodbury, and White Bear Lake. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't Excellent. forget, we do deliver. Indeed deliver, that's for sure. Jack, let's do this again next week. 
You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. That's Jack Farrell from Haskell's.